It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 422 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Soupline. It is August 4, 2023, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with some controller type things here. So uh, The Verge has an article titled Microsoft's Repairability Push Now Extends to Xbox Controllers 2. And this might benefit you if you are playing your Diablo 4 game on an Xbox because, you know, repairability is a good thing for that. So here's a little bit from that article written by Wes Davis and Richard Waller. Microsoft has started selling controller parts on its online store. Owners of both the Xbox Elite Series 2 wireless controller and the standard Xbox wireless controller can head to the Microsoft store right now to buy replacement boards, sticks, buttons, covers, and more. Now, if your shoulder buttons are broken or your sticks are drifting, it means you don't have to rely on third-party sources for parts and directions to attempt to repair what could be a much cheaper than repl- could be much cheaper than replacing controllers that can cost $59.99 or $179.99 brand new. So let me tell you something about that. I have an Xbox. I've been playing Diablo 4 on it since Diablo 4 launched. And or since, you know, when it launched, there I was. It's on an Xbox. I have a Mac computer, so I can't play it on there. But I've got something cobbled together so I can at least see it on my monitor. In any case, the official Xbox controller I was using got really bad controller drift and there was nothing it seemed was that was going to fix it we looked up um, sean and i who sean's the editor of the show and my husband um looked up a bunch of videos on youtube and various other places and articles trying to figure out how to get the control drift to fix and nothing worked so the solution turned out to be to get another controller that wasn't actually made by xbox it's got like a a cord in it you know instead of just a controller and that one's working like a dream so if i would have known you know earlier that you could just get a replacement for this um maybe i would have you know had less frustration with the microsoft controller but in any case if that's you if you're having controller drift Maybe take a look at this and this article. Everything I talk about will be on the show notes at ShatterSoulStone.com. And you can read more of this if you want. I'm going to put a little bit more here just to tell you a little more about this particular thing that I could have used a while back. Okay, the Elite Series 2 controller repair kits range in price from $23.99 for button sets to $59.99 for a replacement PCBA and motor assembly. As you'd expect, prices are lower for the standard controller, starting at $19.99 for just the controller's top case and going up to $34.99 for the PCBA and vibration motor. Replacement 
management top cases are available in black and white variants, as are the buttons. Sorry, fluorescent color fans. iFixit also lists parts for the controllers, and it's worth noting those come with a lifetime, in quotes, lifetime guarantee, while Microsoft says its parts have a warranty period of one year. So that's something to know about. There's more in that article, but I think that kind of you know, tells you what you want to know. And The Verge also wrote an article about Sony's controller and Sony's stuff. So this one's titled, Sony's latest PS5 beta supports Dolby Atmos and up to 8 TB of M.2 SSD storage. This is written by Tom Warren. Today's release also includes UI improvements, haptic feedback for navigation, and emoji for reacting to messages. So here's a little bit from that one. Sony has started testing a new PlayStation 5 software beta that includes Dolby Atmos support and up to 8TB of M.2 SSD storage support and a variety UI improvements. The beta is rolling out in select countries today, and Sony typically makes beta features available to all PS5 consoles within a few months. The biggest addition is Dolby Atmos support. In PS5 games, it looks like Sony's 3D audio implementation parentheses, Tempest 3D Audio Tech, end of parentheses, will be compatible with Dolby Atmos devices like sound bars, TVs, or home theater systems. Media apps like Netflix can also update their apps on PS5 soon to support Dolby Atmos Studio. Quote, Tempest 3D Audio Tech specifically renders to the Dolby Atmos audio devices in use, including overhead channels, allowing for even greater levels of immersion in the audioscapes of PS5 games, explains Sony in a PlayStation blog that is linked in here. The PS5 currently supports up to 4TB of expandable M.2 SSD storage, but that maximum is being increased to 8TB limit with this beta software. You'll still need an M.2 SSD that meets the minimum requirements, mostly 5,500 MBs or faster, but a doubling of the storage limit means there are even more storage options for PS5 owners. So I'm going to let you read the rest of that if you'd like to, but it's kind of interesting that at the same time, you know, these two companies are kind of trying to update their stuff for you, so that's kind of cool. Polygon wrote an article titled, Microsoft has one major hurdle left in its Activision Blizzard deal. This is written by Ollie Welsh on Ju- July 11th. Uh, the acquisition has a green light in the U.S., but the U.K.'s block remains. So here's a little bit from that article, because this stuff never really freaking ends, right? So, with U.S. Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley siding with Microsoft and choosing not to stop the tech giant's $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard from going through, Microsoft's road to completing the biggest merger in video game history just got a lot clearer. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission has yet to conduct its own administrative case arguing against the deal. The case that it brought before Judge Corley was simply seeking a temporary injunction against the deal, closing while the regulator completed its own process. But the FTC's case will be conducted in an administrative court that has no power to block the deal. Without the backing of a federal court, it seems likely the FTC will abandon its case, effectively greenlighting the acquisition with the United, in the United States. The European Com- uh, Union, sorry, the European Union, 
has already given its blessing to the acquisition. On May 15, the European Commission announced it was satisfied with the agreements Microsoft had signed to keep Activision Blizzard games available on rival consoles and cloud gaming services. But one of the three most powerful antitrust regulators remains opposed to the deal. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority said in April that it would prevent the deal from going ahead, citing concerns over its effect on competition in the small but growing cloud gaming market. Microsoft and Activision Blizzard have announced they will appeal the CMA's decision, but there's a problem. Their deal has a deadline, and it's coming up really soon. According to the terms of the deal, Microsoft needs to close its acquisition of Activision Blizzard by July 18. If it misses that deadline, it will need to pay Activision an eye-watering $3 billion termination fee. The date is before the appeals process in the UK is due to begin. Hearings before the UK's competition appeal tribunal start on July 24. And there's a little bit more in here about, well, what can Microsoft Microsoft do. On the 31st of July of this year, The Guardian also wrote about Microsoft, UK's CMA to hear more views on Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal. Competition and Markets Authority gives tech giant hope after it blocked acquisition of Call of Duty Maker. This is written by Dan Milmo, the global technology editor for The Guardian. The UK competition watchdog has said it will decide whether to clear or block Microsoft's $69 billion takeover of the video game developer Activision Blizzard by 29 August, as it gave fresh hope for the transaction by opening a new consultation on it. The Competition and Markets Authority, which had originally said in April it would block the deal to take take over the owner of hit titles such as Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Candy Crush, is seeking public contributions on whether it should clear it after a new submission from Microsoft. Instead of offering further concessions, Microsoft is arguing that the EU's decision in May to clear the deal, as well as a recent games licensing deal with arch-rival Sony, represents a fundamental change to the circumstances around the transition, and there are now, quote, special reasons, end quote, for not blocking it. Quote, Microsoft considers that th- that it is clear that there are material changes in circumstance and special reasons under the Enterprise Act, which mean that the CMA should not adopt the draft order prohibiting the merger, said Microsoft in its submission. The Enterprise Act contains a provision that allows the CMA to alter its final order, which in this case was heading towards a block. If there has been a, quote, material change in circumstances, end quote, since it's reached its public, uh, published decision. Quote, I'm not sure these were the sort of material circumstances originally envisaged when the act was put together, but there is nonetheless a live issue as to whether they are material enough to justify a complete about turn by the CMA, said Alex Hafner, a partner at the UK law firm Fladgate. However, Hafner said he expected the CMA and Microsoft to agree new to new remedies in order to get the deal over the line. Microsoft said in its submission that it was in the advanced stages of putting forward a proposal to modify the deal. It goes on from there for a little bit. And The Verge also wrote about this, also uh, written by Tom Warren. On July 31st, uh, Microsoft argues its Activision Blizzard case with UK regulators. Um, some of this is just being pulled right from the uh, the information. Some of it has been redacted in several ways, Um, but I'll read you a little bit from this. Microsoft has submitted a new change of circumstances document to the Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, in the UK, arguing its case for its proposed Activision Blizzard deal to be reconsidered for approval. Um, Then it talks a little bit about 
the uh, European Union saying okay with it and things like that. Uh, Microsoft now argues the UK regulator should take into consideration its cloud gaming deals and the EU monitoring of them. A new Call of Duty agreement with Sony and even fresh material from the FTC case, quote, which undermines the final report's conclusions, end quote. Microsoft is also working on a final proposal to modify the merger agreement to address the CMA concerns more directly, which could involve selling off its cloud gaming rights in the UK. There's also um, there's a, a thing here from one of the court, you know how like courts will fill out like here's what was said but then a bunch is redacted it's kind of that sort of thing so i'm just going to skip ahead on that part microsoft's document is heavily redacted Mm -hmm. so references to the company's 10-year agreement with sony over call of duty don't shed any new light on the deal terms we also still don't have details of microsoft's final proposal to restructure its activision deal either but the cma is looking for comments from microsoft's rivals by august 4th which is today, and will accept final undertakings or make a final order by August 29th. So that's where that's going. I've got the CMA Competition and Markets Authority thing here. They've got a thing titled Anticipated Acquisition by Microsoft Corporation of Activision Blizzard Inc. And then it's just kind of going through what was probably just said in some of those news articles. Invitation to comment on Microsoft's submission of material change of circumstance slash special reasons. They've got some reasons about that. In here it does actually say representations made in response to this notice should reach the CMA by the end of 4th August 2023. Representations should be made in writing and should be sent by email to microsoft.activision.cma.gov.uk. That's pretty much all of that one. And then there is another one from July 25th. Uh, Microsoft slash Activision, Microsoft's submissions on material changes of circumstances and or special reasons for the purposes of Section 413, Enterprise Act 2002. This is going to be a lot of legalese, but I'll stick it in the show notes if you want to really dig through this. There are a lot of redactions. It's interesting, though, because if you're if you're looking at something that's been released by a court in the United States, the redactions will generally have black ink over those portions so that you can't like hold it up to a light and see what the text was. But in any case, yeah, the, the CMA actually has like, here is a sentence and then there's a little bracket with like a scissor emoji in it, like cut here, you know, kind of stuff. It's a little wonky and from, you know, from me being used to looking at court documents that have like you know redactions just completely marked out so you can't tell anything this one it does it the same way but little scissors everywhere it's just kind of strange to me and now we're going to go into some diablo 4 stuff i have been trying to play the game i am struggling in the game for reasons i don't entirely understand i had a great time up until my some of my characters hit like level 25 or so and then it got really difficult and i know there is a patch 1.1.1 coming soon I hope, um, because right now I'm just struggling through things that I didn't feel like were this difficult before. You know, I've got a few characters that I'm playing with and it's just kind of like, well, I don't know. So I'm trying, but I'm not really getting anywhere. That's what I'm trying to say with this. So one of the things that was talked about is the mounts. And so Wowhead, who is now on Mastodon as well, if you're on Mastodon, Wowhead has a presence there. I was able to see it through my Mastodon account, so it's it's there. They had an article from six days ago posted by Varid titled Mount Improvements, quote, soon, end quote, charge breaks barricades, comma, cool down resets. And there is a 
little screen capture here of a person on a horse. It's a black horse that looks like it has armor across its head and neck and tail. And there is a large satchel on that horse with a player in all shiny armor and like a staff or something also holding reins. And there's like a red cloth underneath all the armor that this horse is equipped with. And in front of and behind the player running this horse through this area, are skeletons and directly in front of the skeleton that the horse is about to run over is those little bone things that pop up that you know it's a barricade and it is of the type where they pop out of the ground and you're surrounded right but if you have a horse you're going to be able to break through them now do i have a horse no i can't quite get through the season uh not season i'm not even in the season i don't think i'll get there at all but um the storyline stuff you have to do, I'm struggling with it because of whatever the devs did previously that 1.1.1 is supposed to fix. So I might just wait a few days and try again. Um, I'm not really sure, but here's some stuff. It's talking about a couple of things. I'm going to kind of mix and match a little bit of these. There was a tweet from Joe Shelley, who is the designer of Blizzard Entertainment on Diablo, and in reference to the campfire that they had, he wrote on Twitter, well, I guess it's X now, he wrote on X, we're going to allow the mount charge to break through barricades. I realized I didn't state this explicitly during the Diablo 4 campfire chat today. Someone had a suggestion. Someone named Adam said, next, make climbing or descending a ladder reset the mount cooldown. It makes sense for it to have one after fighting or using the dismount attack, but to dismount just to ascend a ladder and then have to stand on top of it for 10 seconds to remount is oof. Joe Shelley says, you got it. So that's a thing. And then there's another one in here uh, that's unrelated to this article. So within the Wowhead article, you can look at the patch 1.1.1 campfire chat summary. You can There's a link to that. And also the patch 1.1.1 unofficial patch notes. I don't know what those are. But uh, here's a little piece from... From the Wowhead article, Blizzard has acknowledged that the annoying barricades constructed by Sanctuary's habitants have become a pain point of the community. While it sounded like a fun development idea at first, the team is also working to solve other mount-related issues like overworld collision and controller bugs. Another small but meaningful charge will be made to change, sorry... Another small but meaningful change will be made to the mount cooldown after climbing or descending an obstacle in the overworld. Right now, players will not be able to mount immediately after interacting with ladders, slopes, or other terrain obstacles. This will change in the upcoming mount update, according to one of Shelley's replies on Twitter. So that was the thing I read you on Twitter, which is kind of interesting overall. Uh, none of this affects me at the moment because I can't get a mount, but I'm trying. And, um, I play really early in the mornings or really late at night, however you look at it. So I don't know like how interested I'm going to be in just kind of trying to slog through the game until it gets fixed. I'll give it another shot when it gets fixed. I've seen some things maybe are a tiny bit fixed, like more than they were, but I don't know. So anyway, I read you the tweet from Joe Shelley and the replies. Joseph Priapora who is the associate game director on Diablo 4, he put up a poll. He wrote this on X uh, or Twitter, whatever. Um, I wanted to ask on stream today, but I'll do a Twitter poll instead because I'm curious. So we are still using Twitter instead of X on Twitter, <laughs> I guess. 
Okay, what do you think the legendary drop chance for treasure goblins is at level 50 plus? Question mark. So here was the options. You could choose 10%, 25%, 40%, or 50%. The vast majority of people felt that at 10%, you have a 42.6% chance. They must have calculated this by however many people picked that one for a treasure goblin. 25% uh, chance... Uh, was roughly pretty close to 25%. It was 29.6% people thought. 40%, they decided it was an 11.3% chance of getting a treasure goblin. And 50% was a 16.5% chance. So I'm not sure what exactly he's looking for in that. I do know that I have seen treasure goblins in the game. I do know they run me through a mob just like they do in, G in Diablo 3 or did in Diablo 3. And that they drop little tiny pittances of gold along the way just enough to get the monsters to find you. That's what I've noticed and I tend to avoid them because as I said, I am struggling in the game right now. It feels like, you know, whenever that patch hit that the devs had a campfire about and were very sorry about and will never, quote, never do a patch like that again. I think that's still affecting things for me. So we'll just see how it goes. Okay, IGN has an article titled Diablo 4 Horses to Get Crucial Improvements Saddle Up written by Wesley Yin Poole. And we've got uh, Joe Shelley's tweet in here again, um, but I'll read you a little bit more than what the other article said. Blizzard has revealed a number of improvements coming to Diablo 4's heavily criticized horses. The action role-playing game's mounts have come under fire for being too slow, getting caught on bits of the environment, and having too long a cooldown on their activation. During a recent live stream, Blizzard said it was working on improving the collision in Diablo 4, which should in turn help prevent your horse from getting caught on an object that forces them to stop in their tracks. Um, and then I, there was a couple of tweets in here that I already talked about. Diablo 4 players do not unlock the ability to use a horse until the completion of a specific campaign quest. Check out IGN's guide to getting a mount in Diablo 4 or watch the below video for more. There is a video embedded in this article. But it's an indispensable travel method for players who are fussing over efficiently grinding through the end game, moving from dungeon to dungeon and helltide to helltide in the pursuit of better loot. During last week's live stream, Blizzard announced a host of upcoming battle uh, balance changes that focus on the two character classes that have received the most complaints online, the Barbarian and the Sorcerer. Patch 1.1.1 goes live August 8th. Today's the 4th. It's going to feel for me like a really long time until that patch shows up because, as I said, I'm struggling. Even though, like, my I started a Rogue and it was really, really fun, and then it wasn't, and I didn't know what happened, but I guess it was that change that they made so maybe they could change it back and fix it for everybody now wowhead has an article titled patch uh diablo 4 patch 1.1.1 campfire chat summary there is a video of it embedded in this article here is the quality of life improvements some nightmare dungeon apexes will be removed from the pool including resource drain cold enchanted and backstabber Dungeon teleport time will be reduced back to three seconds. So you're not waiting there for five or more seconds. One additional stash tab will be available to purchase with gold. That seems reasonable. You can pick up a lot of gold in this game if you try. And if you really want another stash tab, that might be a really good quality of life thing for players. Respec cost will be reduced by 40%. Elix, maybe they meant elixirs. Stack size will be increased to 99. You can have all these elixirs. Legendary drop rates. Dungeon bosses will be guaranteed to drop a legendary item at level 35 plus. 
Legion events will be guaranteed to drop a legendary item at 35+. Plus. The Butcher will be guaranteed to drop a legendary item at 35+. Plus. At level 35, Treasure Goblins currently have a 50% chance to drop a legendary item. This will be changed to a 100% legendary drop chance at level 15. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. Then we have monster density. We've got two little screenshots here from the Nostrava Deepwood monster density before and after patch 1.1.1. And uh, the Nightmare Dungeons and Helltide monster density will be increased, so you can fight more of them. Uh, I guess hoping they'll drop something good. A lot of this is about the Sorcerer and probably the Barbarian, so if you're playing one of those... And I was playing a barbarian to begin with. Maybe I'll go back to that. I don't know. So here we are. Aspects such as serpentine aspect will only provide a benefit and no downside. Because apparently there was some skill that the sorcerer was using that was being referred to as the kiss-curse. Because you can use this thing, but then it hurts you in some way. I have not played a sorcerer. I don't know for sure exactly how that works. But it seems like a terrible thing to do to your players. Improved survivability through increased damage reduction on Paragon Glyphs. New legendary aspect, Mage Lord's Aspect. The Vry's Mastery Key passive's damage reduction is increased by 20 to 30%. And each close enemy up to 60 to 90%. There's a bunch of stuff about skills in here passives in here um paragon stuff you might want to do yeah legendaries you can get a lot of a lot of detail so many things about legendaries for the sorcerer honestly and then some uniques the barbarian balance changes are as follows increased fury generation from basic skills basic skill damage increase adjusting unique item affixes to include more beneficial stats so they have a barbarian character standing here off to the side of a like a screenshot and it, there's an item called the Hellhammer, and it is an it is an ancestral unique two-handed mace for bludgeoning it has 820 item power now the difference in this thing and the new thing seems to be the amount of upheaval there's a, a thing called upheaval you can use this to like do stuff and it ignites the ground burning enemies for an additional 4255 damage over four seconds and there's like a, a sort of a little box and they're like well it could be a little more or a little less the updated version is going to give you 4703 damage after four seconds so there's something good about that i i suppose there's things about skills just like they did with the sorcerer passives legendaries uniques the rogues in here this is the one i'm playing and all the rest are in here too if you want to know like what's what with uh, the other classes i'll leave you to read the article but it looked like to me that Blizzard was focusing the most on the Sorcerer and the Barbarian. So if you're not playing one of those, you know, you can, you can look up one of the other ones on here pretty easily. And there's a thing about monsters. It says minions. The following attacks will now deal reduced damage to druid companions and necromancer minions. These are the ones that will do reduced damage. Balrog uh, with the fire breath. Elite Aphexes, Fire Enchanted, Electrified Obelisks, and Shock Lance. Those things. And then they've got the Necromancer stuff down here. Kind of the same. Um, then we're, we've got stuff with Malignant Hearts. And now we're talking about Season 1. Uh, so there's a little bit going on. There's going to be some change for the Malignant Hearts. Caged Heart of Spellbreaking is changed to Upon Taking Elemental Damage, Gain 10-20% to 20 Damage Reduction for 5 Seconds. 
and general unique items, temerity, plus all stats affix replaced with maximum life. Barrier is now based on maximum life. Now properly accounted by conditions checking for the player having a barrier. So that's what that is. Other damage types are described in future changes, but we're not there yet, so I'll just leave you to read that if you care to. Icy Veins has an article called Diablo 4 Season 1 Week 1 Stats. Butcher deaths, comma, number of created and max level characters, comma, caged hearts, and more written by staff. Here's a really great infographic as Blizzard have shred stats from week one. That's what it says. Probably meant shared. Uh, of the season of the malignant, over 7 million characters have been created in the season with almost 8,000 of those reaching level 11. And a whole lot of them are getting killed by the Butcher and Varshan. So let's take a look. So here's some stats for you. Level 100 characters, 7,772. Deaths by the Butcher, 3,550,175. Total monsters killed, 74.6 billion. Seasonal characters created, 7,112,819. Deaths by malignant monsters, 12,422,986. Malignant monsters slain, 831 million. Malignant Hearts caged 236 million. Deaths by Varshan uh, 1,401,707. And Varshan defeats 7,994,462. So that's, that's how it's shaken out right now. Wowhead has an article titled All Side Quest Dialogue Compiled in Video Form for Diablo 4, written by uh, Jez Artros, if I'm saying that right. So uh, if you ever wanted to know more about the world of Sanctuary without having to play through every side quest, Reddit user IndexAxe did, and they went and created videos for each zone to showcase the great voice acting, storylines, and world building without all the pesky walking and combat. Spanning all side quest stories from the mundane to the insane, Indox, I-N-U-D-A-X, took the time to compile the footage, in some cases providing almost three hours of story content in video form. And it has been embedded in the Wowhead article. So there's here's one for Fractured Peaks, one for Skos Glen, one for Dry Steps, one for Kedjistan, one for Hazawar. And you can just like sit there and listen to all of those if you've missed a quest or if you had a quest that you're like, I don't want to do that one. You can probably watch and see the dialogue going on. I think that's kind of interesting because I think that would help people if they're like, okay, well, I'm, I've got this quest I picked up and I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Maybe that can lead you towards where you're supposed to go so you can complete the quest and get more renown. Another article from Wowhead is titled Temerity Unique Buffed in Patch 1.1.1. Maximum life, comma, barrier scaling. That's the title of this one. Temerity. Oh, I should say who, uh, who wrote this. Let's see. Oh, boy, I can't pronounce that. Seros. I'm sorry. I can't pronounce this name. Okay. Uh, Temerity, the familiar unique that is likely sitting in your stash, is getting a hefty buff that will impact many endgame builds in patch 1.1.1. Let's discuss the changes to get you prepared to unleash the power of this updated unique. So it's called Temerity, uh, 725 ar armor on this screenshot here. Uh, while injured, your potion also grants 30% movement speed for two seconds. 
Effects that heal you beyond 100% life offer grant you a barrier up to 40 to 80% of your maximum life that lasts for eight seconds. And then there's a, a little story portion underneath that, which Blizzard likes to do with its weapons and armor. And I think it's cool. I'll leave you to read that. Since release, Temerity has seen a decent amount of play in early to mid-game. However, it falls off greatly in end-game content due to the scaling of the barrier. The tooltip states that the barrier scales off at, of max HP, but there is a perception of this being bugged by the community. In the campfire chat, it was confirmed that this bug was intentional in its current state and was not intended to be scaling off of max HP. The lucky hit chance to heal has always been a great apex on this item, and this remains unchanged. Unfortunately, however, the remaining apexes of all stats and potion drop rate are very underwhelming. So here's what it's going to be. It might be what it is now. Temerity plus one all stats apex replaced with max life. Barrier is now based on maximum life. Now properly accounted accounted by conditions checking for the player having a barrier. With patch 1.1.1, Temerity is getting a massive buff. The all stat will be replaced with maximum life and the barrier will now scale off of maximum life. One other change being brought to this unique is that the barrier effect from this item will now properly account for conditions that check if the player has a barrier. These line up incredibly well with the apex of lucky hit chance to heal as each lucky hit will be a chance to overheal and grant this barrier. This is incredibly important for underused aspects such as the conceited aspect with the increase in barrier to scale with max HP. This unique will now fit nicely into many end game builds that act look for barriers or are looking for a little more survivability and there's some uh stuff beyond that it looks like it's a necro thing maybe um i'm not sure but there it is max roll has a update on the rapid fire rogue endgame build guide written by wudijo for season one malignant not uh, the regular game but the season and uh, here's a little bit about it. Welcome to the Rapid Fire Rogue Guide. This build is a great all-rounder suitable for any situation with variations available for high-end content where the skill's massive single target damage really gets to shine. Rapid Fire is an attack skill that unleashes a hail of arrows in a straight line sequentially. This naturally produces high damage output against bosses but makes dealing with packs of enemies difficult. In order to solve this problem, the build puts a strong focus on shadow imbuement which can be combined with either rapid fire itself or dash to apply the debuff to an entire group of enemies at once. In addition, the shadow clone helps us out and has a great uptime through the preparation specialization. It goes on from here. If you want to play rogue, I was having fun with my rogue for a while. There's uh, pluses and minuses to this thing. So the benefits are infinite energy, simple rotation, frequent ultimates, deals damage at range. The negative stuff about this is it needs an aspect low AOE damage, vulnerability required, and cooldown management. And then there's um, more about how this works in Season 1, which I'll leave you to read if you're playing a rogue or want to play a rogue. Icy Veins also has a dual-core rapid-fire fury road rogue endgame build for Diablo 4, written by Lexu. The rapid fire and flurry rogue has the flexibility of double core skills to win any fight on the battlefield. If you used our dual, dual core rapid fire flurry build in the rogue leveling guide, this is the perfect guide to transition and into the endgame. This article adds the best in-slot legendary aspects and paragon setup to continue the build, and it'll walk you through it right through this um, so that you can do that if you want to. 
Blizzard posted a thing on uh, Blizzard News. Commemorate your triumph over evil Diablo 4 hardcore victories written by Blizzard on July 5th. It's got a sort of a Lilith statue at the top there with a lot of fog behind it. I'm not sure if they pulled it out of the game or if it's a mock-up or what, or if it's just the little statue they have somewhere on campus. But I'll read you what this says. Since the release of Diablo 4, courageous wanderers have set out into fractured peaks with the sole desire to eradicate evil. We will commemorate the bravery of some valiant players by building a permanent tribute to them on Blizzard's Irvine campus as part of our Diablo 4 hardcore victory sweepstakes. It was a sweepstakes, apparently. The first 1,000 players who reached level 100 with one character in hardcore mode will have their name inscribed on an elegant statue of the Blessed Mother Lilith. To be eligible, players had to send a public tweet to at Diablo using hashtag Diablo4Hardcore with their battle.net ID and include a video or photo illustrating that they earned the tempered champion in-game title on their account. The results are here. Here links to a list of a thousand names that got onto this statue. So if you weren't sure if you were in, you can take a look at this article and find out. There's another article from Maxroll, this one by Facefoot. Link your Prime account for plus four free tier skips. This is in regards to season one. And uh, so I won't be doing this probably. So the free battle pass tiers, Blizzard just announced that until September 7th, which is pretty soon, you can link your Prime Gaming account to Blizzard to receive plus four free tier skips on your season of the Malignant Battle Pass. For those of you who have completed your Battle Pass already, you can at least be happy that your friends can catch up faster now. This will be available for the following platforms, PC, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X slash S. So if you want to go for that, if you have Amazon Prime, you can take advantage of that, but you got to do it soon. Wowhead has an article titled Wrathful Heart Farm Strategy Nerfed in Patch 1.1.1 Varshan Quest Encounter Fixed, written by Jen Artraz. Players have been trying to find the most effective way to farm Wrathful Malignant Hearts since the launch of Season of the Malignant. After all, these insanely powerful abilities can take the damage of a build up to 11. However, one loophole to farm them is being closed in Patch 1.1.1, according to Blizzard's official patch notes, which are connected to this article. Patch 1.1.1, releasing on August 8th, is bringing many changes to the game. One line in the quest changes, however, means that players will have to go back to farming Wrathful hearts the old-fashioned way. Here's a piece from that. Blizzard fixed an issue where players could repeatedly fight Varshan during the final seasonal quest by resetting the dungeon where he spawns. Oh no! <laughs> Since Varshan was guaranteed to drop a wrathful heart during this quest, many players would chain reset the dungeon to farm the heart and rolls they wanted back to the drawing board. That's a thing. Uh, if you want to know more about the patch of 1.1.1 notes. There's a link in this article and you can just pop over there and check it out. And the last thing I have for you is something I thought was insanely funny and it is obviously having to do with Diablo 4. So there's a Reddit post here with a person who said, so I started a queue and random people just joined. And so what we have here is there's a table with, it looks like soup or something on it and little jars you can hand out to people. There are a couple of people standing near the table, like maybe they're just like asking people what they want or how much soup they want or something. I'm assuming it's soup. I don't know. And then there's like 
two there's like one guy with a green cloth on his shoulders that's waiting for his there's a guy with a red cloth on his head in front of him there's two ladies with blue cloths over their head and then his character stood right behind that npc group so he just stood there the character is named uh necros and the has was level 76 and has the um, title of the sinner. You can self-choose those. Someone behind them doesn't have any uh, any markings up. And then there's like all these people that just queued up in line behind them. Because I guess they all want soup. You know? So they're just standing there waiting in line. Until the NPCs move. If they move. I don't know. But I just thought it was the funniest thing. You know? I love when people find just silly things to do in a game that's usually, you know, kind of dire in a lot of ways. You know, you're you're trying to rescue people, you're trying to not die yourself, you know, all this other stuff. Um, the monsters can be pretty brutal in certain dungeons and things like that. And here's a guy that just said, well, what if I just stand here behind these NPCs and all these other people decided that they too wanted soup. So it's the soup line, in my opinion. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to end this episode. You have been listening to episode 422 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.